Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trevor Bohm, your host. And today I'm talking with one of my dearest friends, my Costa Rican roommate, my old teaching partner, Courtney McNabb. And Courtney's story is fabulous. I have watched her go from teaching yoga classes in the woods to running a multiple six-figure business in about a year and a half. And all the while doing so while just tearing apart any relationship she had to her shadow. So she dove into her shadow so heavily and fully embraced everything about masculine feminine dynamics and her own wildness. And she and I get into it this on this call on relationships, on money, on power, on sex, on all the things. I know you're going to love it. Give Courtney a listen. Please share this if you do. Ladies and gentlemen, Courtney McNabb. Hi, Court. That's me. <laughs> always a pleasure to see you hear you speak with you listen to you learn from you all the things uh just to give people a little bit of context where in the world are you i'm in denver colorado right now okay and if you could do like i know it's a shitty question to put it in like an elevator pitch but what do you do in the world what's your genius well, I work with women. Um, I like to say I specialize in sovereignty and the sacred feminine. But the truth is, Trevor, every time I get asked this question, it evolves. Mm, um, yeah, you know, my work is very unconventional in that I work with a soul approach, um, meaning that your own expansion is going to be so completely unique mm. than anyone else's expansion, which I know we'll talk about today. But that's kind of what I'm a master at of working with women who've always felt like, you know, one standard approach just doesn't quite fit them mm-hmm. and that they need something more specialized. Was there a time or, or can you pinpoint a time when you kind of not just woke up to this stuff, but I, I love to ask people like, what was the day for you that you woke up and everything you thought to be true yesterday was no longer true if you had a day like that? I mean, Trevor, every day for me is like that. <laughs> for those of you listening i know this woman very very well so i may laugh at some shit okay every day is a brand new day (laughs) you know like that that is what i'd say is part of the gift of my genius is i'm so willing to look at something from a completely different angle i'm so willing to see a perspective that most people would reject or see an approach that most people have ruled out um So my truth is always changing, which definitely fucks with, you know, my human, um, and routine and, and, and what I, what I think I know, because what I think I know is almost always being challenged. Right, 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 right. And that's, I think it's a beautiful way to go through, uh, one, to go through the world, two, to go through the world as a teacher. I remember Michaela said, Michaela Bohm saying that if she doesn't look back on her work from a couple of years prior and feel embarrassed, 
-hmm. and she knows she's not evolving not fast enough isn't the right word but evolving deeply enough Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know yeah I would never I would never say embarrassed because I don't think that helps in our evolution because who you were a year ago is probably still in a bit of a transition like it's still a part of you Mm -hmm. um and I completely agree with her and that, you know, the way that I approached a relationship or even coaching has completely changed yeah. and changes with every client and changes with every evolution I personally take part in. Court, what does the word sovereignty mean to you? I think that's going to be a big piece of this conversation. And just to give people some frame, uh, this is early June, the U.S., uh, we used to have a pandemic. I don't, I don't think we do anymore. It's gone but we have uh, some racial challenges and some protests and some, some societal and social challenges that seem to be trumping the, um, the pandemic. But just to give people some context, that's where we are. So it's sovereignty. Hit, hit me with your definition and, and let's, let's take that apart. Yeah, because that, that definition has evolved too. You know, the last time you asked me that, um, I spoke about alignment, like your thoughts, your actions, your behaviors all being aligned as sovereign. And that's actually changed for me now. Like how I see sovereignty now is like the fiercest stand for your own soul's truth. And if you don't like the word soul, if you think that's too woo-woo, you can just say like your deepest guttural truth. Mm. How do you help people differentiate between, and I'm just going to play a little devil's advocate here of, my truth in quotes and my bias, my opinion, my likes, my like the, the, the dirtiness of it, the muckiness yeah. of it. Where I can go, Courtney, yeah. this is my truth. I don't want to pay for groceries, so I steal them. And th- that's it's my truth. And I don't I don't need to explain it to anybody. How do you help people navigate the shadow side of that word? Sure. So so my thing is like first of all, do you have access to your soul and your deepest truth, your intuition? You know, because women often come to me and they're like, I don't know what my intuition is. I feel fear all the time. And I'm like, your soul or your deepest truth is never going to speak to you from a place of fear or shame. That's conditioning. That's programming. That's reactivity. The, The first prerequisite is can you get to this place of like deep, deep stillness and openness that when that truth comes in, it feels so grounded. And so embodied. And so when someone asks you about your truth, it's not a defense. You're not reactive. You're not frenetic, right? (laughs) You're able to just very simply and openly speak from your heart. And if challenged, that's okay. You can go there. I think that that's a really good litmus litmus test. And I want to also, I'm going to ping you a couple times throughout this conversation because it's, uh, this is one of my only platforms that's male dominated. So it's a male-dominated audience. So for men listening to this, would you say that this is some of the work they need to do with their inner feminine or Mm. getting with their hearts? Or how does a guy who's listening to this can go, well, I'm not a chick, so Mm. what do I do? Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's the same. You know, the, the feminine we feel very deeply and we get to that embodied truth from there. But for the masculine If you go into consciousness or deep stillness or deep openness where like, you know, the world just kind of kind of expands and you can find this center, you will find that guttural primal truth deep within as well. And it will also be, you know, I'm not saying you're not passionate or you're not fired up, 
but you're unreactive and you're undefended. And it comes from like a deep, deeply embodied place. Does that make sense, Traver? And that's the same for the masculine. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, I, I always go back to when we talk to people uh, in the past about how we don't have any reaction around, do you drink? Mm. It's like, no, I don't. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, that's, all, that's a sentence, that's a paragraph, that's a chapter, that's a book. There's like, there's nothing else after that. And mm-hmm. think people get to that point. Because that takes introspection. It takes the yeah. muckiness. It takes the going to the party and being like, do I drink? Am I just listening yeah. to people on, who told me I have this? What's going on here? Uh, yeah. the, the sorting through of kind of, a, we'll use, just use the word muck. Mm-hmm. So given that definition, why is sovereignty important and why is it extraordinarily important right now? Yeah. Well, before I answer that question, if I could, I do want to to kind of flag this, that people do try and rush what I call the highest perspective Mm -hmm. or the truth. It's also kind of called spiritual bypass, Mm -hmm. right? So you'll see like a common truth being passed around (laughs) and it's kind of like a peer pressure obligation sort of thing to rush to this affiliate soul truth. Mm. But it's very often not. So to segue back into why sovereignty important, it's like, I always ask the question of what energy is this coming from? And so it could be the most right quotations thing in the world or the most moral thing in the world. But if you're getting on that bandwagon from a place of unconsciousness, that is not your truth. So for people who just blacked out because they heard the word energy and unconsciousness and don't know what that means, can you, can you street level that a little bit? Sure. So like, let's just talk about energy, like feelings. Okay. Um, so if you have a feeling of obligation, there's a certain energy involved in that. You can see it come off of a person mm. when someone feels obligated. It's just, you can feel it. It's icky. Right. And you can also feel when someone's actually really generous yeah. and it comes from like a deeply embodied place. So let's just talk about energy like, like that. Um, like the feeling you get from yourself or for someone else. Mm. And so if we're getting on a certain bandwagon with that energy of obligation, it's not coming from that deeply sovereign truth. That truth will be able to be rocked and tousled and and turned every which way with the tide. You know, if the next week the cultural, spiritual format has changed, you're going to be there. And then before you know it, 20 years is going to pass by. what, What do I actually fucking stand for? Right. You know, and that is not freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that's a false freedom so that people look at and go, wow, everybody's using Palo Santo. So my truth is that I need Palo Santo. And now I feel really good in the moment, but literally it's no different than any other trend. Yeah, it's like this level of tribalism, which is also primal and programmed within us to want to belong. Right. And for so long, we have gotten our sense of survival and worthiness from that belonging and tribalism. But now, you know, we are being individuated. Yeah. And we do have that freedom to, to truly be aligned with, with our own depth and then find, quote unquote, tribe mm. from that depth. Right. Mm. So it can go even deeper than just this is what the leader, this is what the chief says. So this is what I do, too. Right. Yeah. I have a teacher who, who told me this is maybe a year ago. That belonging is the last value we'll betray. We'll betray. we'll betray every other value in our in our system until it comes down to like, hey, if you don't do this, you're not one of us. And it's like, oh, I'm one of you guys. 
I'll do yes. all this. I'll, I'll happily go along with this idea. Yeah. You, see, yeah. you and I get to see this play out every day on social media of, of what's the newest trend, what's not allowed to be said, what is everybody saying, what are, do their actions match their words? No, not quite, but holy shit, are they proponents of it. So come back to, let's come back to sovereignty. I'm going to ask this again with a little more like profound or profundity. Why now? Why is sovereignty important now more than ever? Because we are trying to create change. And we are trying to, to create a world with new connection and new awareness and new unity consciousness, right? And so, like I was saying earlier, even if the moral standard is perceivably higher, mm. if you are still buying into that change without the energy of like an embodied knowing that this is right and that I'm on board then we are just going to keep perpetuating that which we're trying to change. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, blocking, um, I'm blocking out a helicopter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I started to do. It's like, yeah, 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 still living in the city. Still by it's a mile from here. Um, um, yeah. yeah it's, it's, let me just, uh, not devil's advocate, but I, I, I'm imagining a guy listening to this who goes, of course it's embodied. I think it. Mm. How, what's the difference for a, a man listening to this? And Because I, I know women, most mm. women, a lot of women would understand what embodied meant. But mm. how, how do you define embodiment yeah. as opposed yeah. to, I think it, therefore it is. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great question. I love this. I think this is why, especially for men, men's group are so important. Mm. Having men, because I do think like men, and women, but men can get very stubborn. And like, this is what I stand for. Like, what do you mean? This is what I've always stand for. This is my moral code. Like, and you're just like very fierce behind it. Mm -hmm. And so I think for men, for their ideas to be challenged and to reach a new level of embodiment, they have to respect the person it's coming from, but oh. the person that, that's challenging them. Right. And so, you know, in men's groups, it's like, if you're really respecting you or someone else leading, you know, man, have you ever thought about it like this? Right. And like having space for, for your shadow to come out for perhaps what your father taught you to be challenged. Yeah. You know, that, that's hard. I'm never going to take that away from someone. Like that's hard and can be very painful. Yeah. Can you does talk? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And you hit on something that I've said in not really in jest, but I say it in closed circles, even though this is a record, recorded podcast and say men have a hard time taking advice and listening to things that will change them from people that they can kill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I said that and people are like, you can't say that. I'm like, well, I just said it. Uh, and until we own it and, and then go, that's why we need guys to come in and go like, Hey, stop doing that shit. It's not okay. Would you talk a little bit just about your own personal journey with sovereignty? I know it's a big question. No. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that again is, is always, evolving and i think that my sovereignty practice is completely um dependent on my ability to get still and listen mm. you know i spent so much of my life just like hectic and frenzied and following and and numb and i wasn't listening and so of course i was disconnected and so whenever with you when i started i stopped drinking and i started getting still and i started breathing and i started asking questions and listening 
my deeper truths and my worthiness that fed those deeper truths started to come online. Because if you are operating from a place of unworthiness, you're not going to be able to listen. It's going to be too easy to follow, mm -hmm. right? Because it is going to be an unconventional approach most often, finding your own way. Right. And it is going to trigger some people, a lot of people. Yeah. And if you're not, okay. Say more about that. Yeah. So like, you know, for me in particular, the reason that many, many women are, are very loyal to this work is because I stood for something mm. that was very antagonistic to what everyone else was saying. Right. To the cultural programming. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so grateful because I am able to help women that the cultural programming, I mean, that couldn't help them. So at first I had to really piss off a lot of people mm -hmm. who were very bought into that way of thinking. And that, that can hurt. And, you know, you question yourself, especially when you're smaller and you're just coming up as a coach, mm -hmm. you know, you're like, fuck, what if I am wrong? And then you have to sit with that. You know, you have to really be able to not get so defensive and be able to really turn it over in your hand and turn it over in your hand and turn it over in your hand until you're able to look at it and be like, yeah, you know, I, I do believe in this. Mm -hmm. And that feels so good to have yeah. that. Yeah, it feels like a, it sounds like a connection to honesty. Yeah. Right. Truth with a capital T, it's a, it's an odd term. Because mm -hmm. truth and opinion and wounds and perspectives and where you grew up and what books you read and what your parents said and who your friends were and who your friends are, it all influences this idea of truth. Yeah. And yet there's still, we have to operate from somewhere. Mm -hmm. I can't just float through the world and be like, I believe nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just shocked that gravity works, but I don't believe it. And yet we have to put our feet somewhere on the ground and, and create some kind of grounding. So what's, if you wouldn't mind, what's one of your practices or the things that like a best practice that you give to your clients who start this journey and then end up in like, for lack of a better term, like a spiritual tornado where they're like, now I don't know what's true. Yeah. I think that's part uh, of the process that like horrible time in between the two islands where you can't see the one you left and you can't see the one you're going to. And you literally walk around being like, I believe nothing. And then something lands. Yes. That's the sweet spot. That's exactly the spot where like all true transformation happens. So I'm so glad you brought that in. I'm also so glad you brought in the thing about truth because that traver is exactly where I start with clients. I say, you know, in this container, my only expectation is that you be completely revealed mm -hmm. and that you don't hop to the higher perspective mm -hmm. before we feel the shadowy truth in your body. Mm -hmm. Right? So the truth can just be like, you know what? I don't like my stepmom. Right. But I should like my stepmom. She's done so much right for me. If I want to do the rest. You don't like your stepmom. And guess what? Yeah. Your stepmom, she feels that. Yeah. She feels it. She knows it. She knows it. So we're all sitting around here like posturing, like when the energy, talking about energy, the energy underneath is like very felt. We're all very healing beings. Yeah. And so we start there. We just start with that revealing right there. And then we go into it, you know, like, and, and I love to use the body as modality. 
So they're like, well, I want to be nice to my stepmom, but like, I literally fucking hate her. And I'm like, good, good. Okay. So like, what would it feel like from your body to express hatred for your stepmom? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, here's your permission slip. Go. I'll do it with you. Ready? I usually go, go before them. We're like, ah! you know, like <laughs> you're in a pillow. We'll yeah. get it out. We'll express yeah. that primal feeling. And then I'm like, okay, how do you feel now? Do you feel like you hate your stepmom? I, I hate her less now. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like coming back to the soma, to yeah. the body, the not guilting and shaming yourself for like the right and moral way. Like that's not how humans work. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And one of the best questions I was taught to ask as a facilitator is uh, especially around what's your relationship with so-and-so? And then they say it. It's like, you know, he's a good. And then we ask, what if you weren't being so polite? Yeah. Right? It's like, I yeah. fucking hate him. You're like, oh, oh. There it is. Oh, there it is. Exactly. Now we got something to work with. And, and then you literally watch the entire body change. Yes. And get their heads yes. together the vein and the yeah. neck bumping out. You're like, now I just got chills. Uh, yes. Now we're talking. I love, food, it. Right? <laughs> I love it. Being so polite. Oh, but so it's working through those layers of conditioning, which I imagine is far easier and more judicious with someone helping you guide or help guiding you. Yeah. I mean, we need that permission slip. We need the permission slip to be like, Hey, yo, you can tell the truth mm -hmm. because you know, it's my goal and it's my goal for my clients to get, for them to get to a point where they're in relationships telling the truth and being revealed. They're like, no way. Like, there's no way it could. And it's like, everything you think underneath that I hate you, that I'm mad at you, that it is felt. Yeah, for sure. It is felt. And so, yes, it is messy. It is ugly. Please have a facilitator. Please, if you're listening, don't go walk into the room with your partner and start telling him everything that is true. There, there, <laughs> there, there, there is an approach to this, you know, where we bring in, we bring in wisdom and discernment and communication skills and grace. Yeah. And grace and generosity. But often Trevor, I will tell you it's messy before it gets to that place. Yeah. And I do encourage that mess. Yeah, for sure. It's facilitated realness, right? Like, so those of you listening to this, don't like go sit down with your partner with a 25 point list of all the shit you don't like about them. Be like, I listen to this podcast. They said we need to talk about truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, do the work first with yourself because the truth is you're hiding so, we're all hiding so much from our own selves. I, I can't tell you how many women have been in the first session. I hate myself. Oh, wow. And it's like the second they say that, the tears come, the nervous system relaxes. And like we've been taught to like affirm, do your affirmations. I love myself. I love myself. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. <laughs> it's like there's a reason that's so fucking frustrating <laughs> because you don't believe it. The truest truth that's coming from your soma, from your body is yeah. I hate myself. And it's not true. It's not true, but it does need to be expressed and released before that I love you can start to come in or at least I respect you. This is just, I'm gonna throw this question out there just cause it popped in my head and I want men perhaps to hear the answer to it. What is the main reason women hate themselves? If oh. oh, no, please continue. I said, if there is one or if there's a theme. 
God, you know what? It's so funny. It's all connected. And this is just coming from an intuitive place. It is withholding. Say more about that. And I think this is probably true for men too. So for like women, we've been conditioned to withhold our anger, to Mm. withhold our pain, to withhold our love. Mm. And this isn't to say like everyone needs to just be like unexpressed and, you know, and crazy and projected. I, you know, I teach the opposite of that, not to project any of those things. Yeah. But that's what ends up happening is because women don't know how to, you know, release their sacred rage and like fucking freak out in a safe space or like really allow their sadness to come out fully or allow themselves to love their man completely, you know, cause that is the feminine. We are the storm. We are energy. And if we can't have that space, it's repressed, it's stuck, and we feel like we're, we're prisoners. And, and like we've turned on ourselves, but it's an unknowing. It's an unknowing that we've turned on ourselves and we've abandoned ourselves and, and we've closed to our power. Mm. I hope this is making sense. It makes sense, but we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit further. Why would that lead to self-hatred? Because all of that anger and shame instead of being released, you know, all these emotions are natural and normal and they're supposed to be able to just move through and out of your body. Mm-hmm. Just like with kids, they feel something, you see it. They have a tantrum, they lose their shit and they're cool. They're good. They're playing with their toys again. Mm-hmm. But for adults in our nervous system, we're taught like, that's not safe. That's crazy. Perhaps you even have a mental illness. Right. Depression isn't normal. Mm-hmm. And so we hold it, we hold it in our bodies we hold it in our bodies and it starts to eat us alive. Yeah. That was the image I had. And this is something men will relate to a lot. I don't know if they make the connection between taking all of this energy and stuffing it down and self-hatred. But I imagine we take all of this energy and stuff it down and then have to have a layer of numb on top of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's less- And you say something's wrong with me. Right. Something must be wrong with me. Right, right, right. Why, why, do, I, why do I not feel? Mm-hmm. I think it's exactly. less self-hatred and more of just self-lostness. Yeah. Like, I don't know myself. I can't tell yeah. you how many guys I've asked, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. And I've, I have so much compassion for them when they say, I don't know mm-hmm. because I don't know how to feel. Yeah. I yeah. think this. And like, well, what if you didn't yeah. think you felt? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't even know. Yeah. And it, you're a feeling human. You are just feeling and feeling and eruptions of feelings. Uh, so I imagine too, it would be equally awful for women to have that same experience. Yeah. And like, speaking of men, like my boyfriend and I have definitely gone down a journey because he was taught, he was, he grew up with five brothers and feelings of course were shamed. And, you know, they'd say really, you know, horrible things if you showed any sort of feeling at all mm-hmm. and I know men who are listening to this are going like their women have wanted them to feel and they're like fuck you man like mm-hmm. I've been taught my whole life not to feel like I've been taught my whole life to be a strong man is to not feel and like now you're asking me to feel and like mm-hmm. and I get that and we had that process and like I really had to respect like to be really generous with his process 
and to not shut down on him and to be okay if he shut down on me while he was figuring it out. Right. That's really important. Because it's not so quick for men, you know? There's right. a lot more layers to go through. Like for women, it's just right fucking there. It takes one second. Yeah. If you, one of the things that's less talked about or not talked about, I think as often as it should be with around men and feelings is this is very, very, I imagine the situation with your boyfriend is you'd be assaulted for expressing your feelings. Yeah. There would be a physical, like we'll beat the fuck out of you if you don't stop crying or look at you. You're just a little bitch. Now we're going to kick you out of the group or kick you off the team or physically hurt. You. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. what a lot of guys are bumping up against. Totally. Not, not mentally. Yeah. They're not like, oh, wow, she's going to punch me in the face if I tell her that mm -hmm. I'm sad. But somatically and internally, yes. like that's, yes. that's the thing to have compassion around is, you know, it's, it's, especially as, as little kids, it's like you said it, five brothers, he was on like a street gang. That's how he grew up, or like right. military team. Right. And I've hung out with military guys, Courtney, that they are actively smelling out weakness. Like right. whatever this thing you got, this thing that you're not too sure about, they're going to shove it in your face because they're trying to figure out, are you going to break at an important time? Can I rely on you to cover my back? If you can't handle me calling you names, then you're not going to shoot someone for, for who's about to shoot me. Mm. That trickles down into the male culture. How has your life changed? Let's, let's go a little bit to the other side of the coin. And what do you see in your clients and in your friends and in your people when this, this sovereignty muscle starts to grow and become predominant? Yeah. So when we feel a trigger or an activation, instead of going, so the, the status quo is you go first to having to brain about it, having to project it onto your partner, having to call your mom and bitch about it, which just perpetuates, like I was talking about the energy, it perpetuates that energy. Mm -hmm. And now as sovereign, instead of I'm mad at my boyfriend, I'm calling my boyfriend, I'm yelling at my boyfriend, like, da -da 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 -da, which doesn't help anything. No. I go back to breath. I go mm -hmm. back to, you know, if I need to walk or run or I scream into a pillow instead of screaming at him. Right. You know, I cry on the floor like a little teenager. So I don't act like a teenager with my man. Mm -hmm. And like this brings, this brings about just like an incredible sense of, centeredness and confidence when we do go to have conversations or to share what we were talking about initially, which is our truth. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might've been you who told me we have to learn how to self-regulate before we can co-regulate. Yeah. It's you have to. So, so true. And for people who just heard that and didn't know what it meant, it's like, you got to get your shit together before you go approach someone else or else you're just going to dump all your shit on them. Mm -hmm. it doesn't, exactly. There are things that obviously have to get figured out in partnership and in conversation mm -hmm. and in community, yet I would love the world to take a breath and go, okay, what's mine? Like it's Jeremy's yeah. like famous, like it's my shit, her shit, and our shit. Like mm -hmm. it seems, it sounds to me like sovereignty is the willingness to dive headfirst into your own shit. Yeah, I love that, Trevor. Yeah, and like I tell the women I work with all the time, like your boyfriend is not your trauma therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Because, yes, we do need to talk about truth and we need to talk about whatever it is, our hearts. Mm -hmm. But is it you speaking or is it your trauma speaking? Right. Is it your 30-year-old woman speaking or is it your 7-year-old little girl? Right. 
because that's the things we do on our own. And eventually we do get to a place where we get really skilled at it and we can start to kind of dance with these deeper parts, but there has to be trust built and there has to be independence built because if it's this codependent energetic sourcing from one another, the relationship will always be weak. Mm. How come? Because instead of having two people who are sourcing from their own selves or their own highest universe, whatever you want to call it, and coming together and becoming stronger, right? And more dynamic and more multifaceted, separate but one. You have two people who are not independently, independently sourcing, mm. but are just pulling out, oh, you got something now? You had a good day? I'm going to take that for myself. Right, right, right. Right? You, oh, you had a bad day? Here, let me give it to you. And so instead of rising together, we're just kind of ping-ponging either wound mm. or a good vibration off of one another. Beautiful. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I want to just quickly chime in for guys who heard her say, your boyfriend's not your trauma therapist. Your woman's not your fucking therapist either. So let's, okay. let's, let's get that on the table. And my view of codependence is like people borrowing money from each other. That's it. Like back and forth as opposed to going and earning it elsewhere and then coming to the relationship and being like, oh, I got my own income. Thanks. What do you want to do? And you've got your own income. Cool. What do you want to do? Yeah. You're just like, yeah. here's 50 bucks. And then you give it to me the next day. And then you give it to, I give it to you. And then yeah. we lose a little and then we're down to 30. And then eventually it's like, now we're just starving together and blaming. Exactly. Each other. Yeah. Exactly. Or what is, I know you personally have a massive breath work practice and it's something that you teach uh, very strongly with your people. Can you talk to people quickly about how that came about for you and some of the power and benefits you've received from it? Yeah. So you do know me, Trevor, and you know that I have an exceptionally intense mind, um, which can be a gift. It can be such a gift. And it's a reason that I've created these like unconventional specialized approaches. And for my own self, I can get locked into rabbit holes. Mm. Um, And like I was saying, in the deepest truth, it does not come from your brain. It comes from your body. And so I was at this point where I was like, just so in my head, I was just like praying. I was like, please give me something to bring me back inside of my belly, like back inside of my like deepest center. And that's when I discovered breath work. I think it was from Caitlin Pasternak. She had like a track on one of her courses and it was a holotropic breath work. It's a very intense breath work. I do not recommend it for everyone. It is not gentle, but I need it not gentle. Mm-hmm. And so this particular breath work, it forced me into those spaces in my body. And it's very hard to explain if you haven't done it. Um, it's much like a hallucinogenic in that you're forced out of control mm-hmm. to your ego, right? right? Right. And so I was forced to feel the shame and the fear that I was just keeping on lock and just braining down, if that makes any sense. And so once I started to feel about braining down, just one more sentence. Yeah. So like that, you know, like that fear, that primal fear that comes from your soma, Mm. you can't touch it completely because you're so far in your fucking head. Mm. And to your ego, that's really safe space. Right. Because your ego can actually get a sense of what would happen if you touch that fear from your body. It would release right. and you'd be free. 
but it's a scary process um, at first for the ego. And so that first experience just broke me wide open. It was the first time that I was out of my head and I could feel the pain completely. And I've told you this before, I cried for an entire year. Yeah. It opened up the floodgates and there it came like one whole year. And, and how people who, who hear that are like, fuck, I'm not crying for a year. That means there was a year's worth of grief and trauma and anger and upset that needed yeah. to come out that was poisoning, for lack of a better term. Your poisoning. Yeah. Poisoning. Binge eating, Adderall, I mean, addiction. Everything was feeding, like these feelings were feeding that. So if you're listening, like, I don't want to cry for a year. Okay, well, do you want to carry this poison for the next 50? It's up to you. Right. So I would do three more. Yeah. Okay. You said yeah. you'd do three more years. <laughs> I do three more years to have this freedom. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about freedom. That's a big thing for you, huh? Even though it's primarily put on the masculine. Yeah, like you know. Hops on a plane and goes to Europe for a month and or six months and then hops on another plane and bounces somewhere else. Talk to me about freedom. So, oh, you're about to open another rabbit hole, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I should have had a red <laughs> to your house this morning. All right, Courtney McNabb, right. tell me about freedom. <laughs> um, you got it. So freedom for me to be, for the feminine, I believe freedom is to be completely free of the need or even desire to manipulate. You know, so, so much I believe of the feminine's life is about manipulation using our looks to manipulate for attention or love, using our energy to get someone to do what we want. Even if it's covert and you're listening, you're like, I don't do that. I challenge you to really look very, very deeply at your life. Mm. The words you use, the way you dress. And I'm all about sexy dressing and flirtation energy and all of the things when it's conscious, right? So again, this comes back down to truth. Like what is your deepest truth? And are you manipulating that truth to get what you want? Or because you believe you won't be loved or worthy or met or belong or, mm -hmm. or yeah. And where's the fine line court between having wants and manipulation, right? So yeah. if, if I see a beautiful woman in a bar and I'm like, I, you know, and I'm drinking kombucha, and I walk up and I'm like, I really want to meet her. I really want perhaps to take that further. Uh, I'm going to go up and have my best conversation with her mm -hmm. as opposed to like this morning I woke up and I had a really bad rash. I'm Traver. What are you mm -hmm. up to? So where's that line between manipulation and want? Yeah. Like the first question I'd ask is like, is this self-sourced? So like, for you, what you're wanting from that woman is an energetic exchange, probably, and a sense of a sense of acknowledgement, and also like that the energy that you can only get from the feminine. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, are you talking to that woman because you've had a really shitty day and your boss yelled at you and you feel unworthy and you just need to fill that hole up in your inside yourself? Yeah. That's manipulation. But if you're like full, you know, and you've had a good day and you're on mission and you're on point and you're in your heart and yeah. you don't with ill intention on this woman and it's conscious. Yeah. You know, that's not manipulating. You're standing fully in the truth of your wanting of this woman. 
And so same for the feminine. It's like, you know, you're calling this man, but you're talking shit about this man. Mm. Um, you know, so it's a manipulation of your own truth and it's a self-abandonment ultimately of your own integrity. Yeah. I remember when I went through a divorce program, right in the midst, I was still separated. And one of their big things was, uh, they called it GAL. You need to get a life. You need to be out reading books, going to workshops, talking to people, going to lunch, going to the gym. Like you need to make your life as full as possible. So that when you not only are around other women, but around your ex, who the point of the program was try to like reattract an ex. Like if your life is so full, you will actually get to a point where you don't care if you attract. Mm-hmm. And it was this, it's this weird spiritual mind mm-hmm. or, or conundrum of like, so the only way to get her back is to not care whether I get her back or not. Yeah. Like, yeah. yes, that's it. Yeah. And I remember yeah. my logical brain being like, that's impossible. <laughs> all things a scam. And then watching all of those parts get filled up. of like, oh, I have really good friends. Oh, I'm in great shape. I'm super excited to cook this new meal tonight. God, I can't wait to get back to that book or whatever it was. And then getting a message from my ex and like, yeah, I'll answer that later. Like I got so much other cool shit going on. And so I imagine that's more what you're talking about with sovereignty is perhaps it's not so much about not having wants, but not having needs that come from a place that you can source and fill yourself so that you come at least with a, you know, a, a pretty full bucket mm-hmm. when you're like, Hey, let's fill our buckets. It's like, mine's pretty full. Yours is pretty full. Yeah. Now we're in the choice point and not the, That's it. yeah. You same just more said it. You just said it. You just said, I was about to say that it's about having choice, mm. true choice. So I truly believe the reason we manipulate is because we feel outside of choice. We don't feel yeah. like we have Okay. Pull, this, pull this apart. Say, say more about that. Right. So like when we call the ex that we don't actually like, it's because we don't have other tools to feel that same love, attention, acknowledgement. So, so we manipulate him to give us that love. And we betray our own self because we truly feel outside of, of sovereign choice mm. to access that love or access that sorrow if need be to release that need to manipulate before calling him. So if you released, you cried, you felt the unworthiness that was basically charging the manipulation. And then from that point could be like, Hey, I don't like you, but I, you know, like deeply in that way, but I'd like to have an exchange, you know, this, you know, even like saying like this space feels empty and I'm honestly looking to fill it. Yeah. from a physical exchange like to be that revealed right is to be right. manipulative so you don't have to be perfectly full of course that's the goal right. but none of us can sustain that it's right. about being able to get back to this centered space if even a destabilized centered space to be mm-hmm. revealed in what you're wanting instead mm-hmm. of manipulative and deceitful about that wanting Oh, I love it. It reminds me, I was in a men's group early on. It was a really intense sort of workshop space. And one of the guys was talking about his relationship with sex and with women, and he was very successful financially. And we, the guy leading the or facilitating had him do role playing with another guy who was like, all right, pretend you're going to call a woman at 2 a.m. What are you going to tell her? Right. 
and he kind of walks through his spiel and is like, Hey, you know, I was just lying here thinking about you and <laughs> sup. Yep. And he goes, okay, now, uh, now I need you to be 100% honest and go through. And he started kind of guiding him. And the conversation turned into it's two o'clock in the morning. You're the third person that I've messaged. <laughs> I feel like shit about myself. I'm lonely. <laughs> and I'm really just trying to use your, you, you and your body as a distraction for the next 12 minutes. There you so go. wondering if you want to come over. And, yeah. <laughs> and while it was comical, it also silenced the room because everyone went, oh, shit, I've done that. And we haven't done it with that level of honesty. It's the still hiding behind the suck, et cetera. How has breath work facilitated all of this change in you? Because I've seen just a rapid transformation in you in the time I've known you. How has breath work played a role in that for you? And do you recommend that everybody do it? Uh, absolutely, yes. I recommend everyone do it. Um, because this country, we're not connected to our bodies. We're not connected to a primal experience. We are such an intellectual country and intellectualism in this country is king. Mm. And from what I've experienced personally, that's actually not true. My intellectualism did not cause this change in me, this peace in me, this love in me, this ab ability to be honest and sovereign. Right. What happened was when I, when I touched that breath work, I was able to come to that conclusion that that man did but actually release all of the feeling and charge around it with that understanding so i was able to release so i'm sure when he got to that space of oh i call you at 3 a.m and i use your body i'm sure an insane amount of shame mm -hmm. happened within his body and then that was there for him to deal with for however long right. with breath work not only do you get that conclusion but you also release the shame on impact. So instead of coming to the conclusion of I'm using this person for their body, you've also unplugged the shame. And so you have this open space of I have new choice now. Mm. It's quick. Yeah. It's quick acting. Yeah. How much of your work revolves around shame and around playing with shame and integrating shame and dancing with shame and looking at shame etc it feels I like love your data. say again sorry please i say with with men's work it feels like so often we can't get men to feel because they're they've been shamed into uh, into not feeling yeah and so we work yes. them through shame and then they can feel and until they can feel they until they can feel their own pain, they can't feel anybody else's. Yeah. So it's intellectualized. Like, I know those people are suffering, and here's 72 statistics as to why it should be better for them, or it's not that bad for them, or my life is hard too. Mm -hmm. so can you talk a little bit about how you help clients work through shame, or you've worked through your own? Yeah, it is different for men. Like I said, like I've had to come to that understanding when I work with women. I'm like, stop treating your man like a woman. Stop. Everything about him is different. His nervous system is different. His conditioning is different. Like, stop doing that. And so I'll speak to your question about women. But like I said, they're much more naturally primed to feel the shame and release it. Hmm. Um, I'm not an expert in men's work. Hmm. You are. But I would say, again, back to that circle 
of creating evidence that feeling for a man is safe, you know, before he tries to do it with his woman or, you know, that's been so, so good for my relationship is my man is in a men's circle yeah, where they help them, they help each other feel. And so he has much less, uh, mm, resistance to feeling with me because he's been shown in circle that it's okay and that it's acceptable and it doesn't mean that he's a bad man again i don't know if i'm answering this question for you how do you uh, thank you for just for sharing that for guys who are listening to that it's a great point to bring up we also learn so much through modeling yeah you don't see it It, it, it's, it's most guys like just show me stop talking about this and show me how to do it yeah and so when we see a guy break down in a men's group talking about his son or his relationship yeah. or something and you go, oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. You take a deep breath and let the truth come out and, yeah. and then you watch him get celebrated. That's the beauty afterwards. Yeah. You know what? That was really fucking awesome. Thank you. Good for yeah. you. I'm proud of you. And it's this yeah. wiring of like, wait a minute, you're proud of me and you, that was good yeah. for me. I'll take that point and just put it to the side. What's your process with your clients of helping them work through shame? <laughs> sure. Um, I'm a shadow hunter. I can feel it immediately. I try not to bring this into my regular world. My boyfriend's like, turn your therapy off. <laughs> which, is, which is a whole, a whole other conversation. But whenever a woman hires me, I have a conversation with her that you are going to be asked to surrender more deeply to truth than you've ever been asked before in your life. And so they come into the container knowing that I expect them to reveal things that they themselves don't even understand. So like before they even get on their call, they're like pretty wide open. Mm. And so instead of all these defenses and layers and protective mechanisms that was someone, you know, just on the street, I would have to work through or fight through. They're basically saying like, here's my insides, here's my heart, here's my shame, I'll follow you. Mm -hmm. And so I first, you know, it's not about projection, like I think you're feeling this way. I'm like, where do you feel this in your body? Mm. And they take me to that space and then we start dialoguing with that space and they feel deeply into that soma space. And before you know it, truths are coming up that they haven't felt in 40 years. Wow. Right. That's the most beautiful sentence I think in both of our work is I've never said this out loud before. Mm-hmm. That sentence where I'm like, Oh bro, let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Tomorrow is going to, you're going to wake up and be like green pastures. I see the light. Yes. Uh, amazing. 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 Court, where do people find you? Where do people get more of you? What are you doing? That's exciting right now. And actually let me, I know I just asked you a question. I'm going to ask you to shelf it. What's inspiring you right now? God, this is going to sound so fucking boring. Um, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm not going to let you do that. What's inspiring you that I'm going to be super excited about? Because I'm super excited yeah. about shit that you're super excited about. Yeah, that you're going to be super excited about. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't couch it as like, this is boring. I'm, nothing about you is boring. Trust oh, me. I still think you like oh. when you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be fucking cool? I'm going to work so on that. Cool. <laughs> Um, God, God is inspiring me. And like, I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth because I grew up in a Catholic home and I spent my whole life being antagonistic with God and, 
yeah. and religion and, and, and my work lately has been how Courtney, how deep can you surrender? Mm. How deep can you surrender to your man, to the moment, to your work, to truth itself? And what I've come to know is that like Courtney, the person, the ego, there's no way, there's nothing there, but there's something that happens, Traver. There's a magic that happens when I say God or universe, take it all, take it all, take it all. Take my relationship when we're fighting or not. Take my business, take my accumulation of wealth, take my friends, take my life if you need to make me bigger, make me wholer, make me better. Wow. And, and since doing that, my life has gone to a fucking new level. My relationship, my sex, everything. Yeah. I highly recommend it. <laughs> you thought that was going to be a boring answer? Like everything in my life is fucking insanely amazing <laughs> since I told God to kill me anytime they wanted. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, levitate for us. Let's see it. It's going to be really cool. <laughs> okay now to the boring question where are you hanging out where can people find you what do you got coming up how do people get more courtney mcnab yeah 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 i'm super easy to find courtney mcnab co is my instagram handle i've got courses running for women all the time um just yeah stay tuned that's what i'd say just okay. just follow along stay tuned find you on social media yeah find me on social media beautiful mm -hmm. I love you. Thank you for being here. You're such a light in my life and such a good resource, uh, but mostly just a wonderful human to have around. So I appreciate you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you coming on for this audience and sharing your story, your truth, your, your teachings, and for all the work that you're doing in the world, because I think now more than ever, teaching everyone to be sovereign is how we're going to work our way out of this mess. Yeah. You know, Trevor, you're my first coach. Like, you activated all of this that is happening and I will forever be grateful to you. And I don't mean that in like a gratuitous performative, I'm grateful way. It's just like, it just feels really important to honor you Thank you in this moment. And that conversation was so fun. Yeah. So everyone listening, if there was anything that just like you didn't understand or you felt like really triggered by, um, I'm always open to discussion and to learning and to evolving. So just come find me and we'll chat. Awesome. Courtney McNabb, everybody. I love you. Bye. Bye. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.